Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Tune in to Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. My name is Danielle Vogel, and you're listening to Everyday Enviro on Full Service Radio, a show about the little things you can do to minimize your personal carbon footprint. About six years ago, I left a career on Capitol Hill to open Glen's Garden Market, a locally sourced grocery store, deli, and craft beer bar in DuPont Circle. I started the business because I'd come to realize that Congress was in no hurry to address climate change in a meaningful way. I decided I could have a much more tangible impact if I could activate my community to make a little progress every day. At Glen's, we call it making progress one bite at a time. Throughout my six years running a climate change motivated business and the decade before working on environmental policy in the House and Senate, I've met some truly extraordinary people who have made careers out of approaching the climate challenge from all manner of perspectives. On Everyday Enviro, we'll come together to share the tips we've learned along the way and empower you to take control of the pace of environmental progress you're making just by being a little bit more mindful about the way you eat, drink, dress, and think. This isn't hard stuff, but we'll show you just how easy it can be when you know exactly which small things really do matter. Today, we'll dive into the nuances of sustainable fashion. We'll discuss what you need to know when you're making your clothing purchasing choices, and we'll explore the ways in which you can make a little progress every time you open your closet. Today, I'm joined by badass lady entrepreneur Rebecca Ballard, who, just like me, left a career in law and advocacy to found a business that would address a problem that desperately needed a fresh perspective. Through Maven Women, Rebecca is creating gorgeous garments that are not only sustainably sourced, but they're ethically made and responsibly packed and shipped as well. Rebecca, welcome. Thank you, I'm honored to be here. Thrilled to have you here. So to be honest, I I could accurately be described in a lot of ways. I'm resilient, I'm determined, I'm a bit of a ball buster but no one would ever accuse me of being particularly fashionable. (laughs) So I'm really excited to learn about the types of things we should be considering when we choose our clothes because this is something I truly know nothing about. So one of the first things that I wanna do is unpack the idea that some people are fashion people and other people aren't. It's like with food, you may say, oh, I'm a great cook or I'm not a great cook, but just about everyone in the world is gonna prepare some type of meal for themselves, whether it's pouring a grain out of a box and putting some type of dairy product on it or whether or not it's cooking this meal that we would look at as saying that's truly gourmet. So you literally have to wear clothes every day. We're Mm -hmm. not going to get into the rare exceptions to that. (laughs) And the clothes need to be something. And everything that you put on makes a statement. And simply saying, I don't want my clothes to make a statement is making a statement. The statement could be that I'm not someone who wants to be judgmental of other people. I'm not someone that wants to put people in boxes. And I think we have an unfortunate reality in this country where um, it's 
I call it like the middle school situation where mm-hmm. people start to get sorted based on their clothes. And sure. there's a lot of people who say, I'm not fashionable because I'm going to opt out of that narrative of being superficial and of grouping people and categorizing people. But you're still wearing clothes. Today's a snow day and I put on different clothes today than I would wear in the summer here in D.C. Sure. And that's just a practical component as well. So that's one is I'm just going to de- debunk that whole Heard. idea. Clothes are clothes and we all have to wear them. So let's choose wisely, shall we? Um, okay, yes. so let's start with the basics. We're all familiar with the term sustainable as it applies to produce, but what's sustainable fashion? Well, I think it's something that we are still learning, but I would say that there's many similarities. For example, cotton historically was the main fiber in this country. It's now become polyester, which is a conversation that we can get to today, oh but cotton comes from farms and the food that we eat, it's also going to come from farms. So there's a lot of similarities in terms of what are the chemicals that are going to be used? What's the waste that's going to be used at different parts in the process? How are things going to be packaged and how are they going to be shipped? What's mm-hmm. the impact of chemicals on food when you put it in your body? What's the impact on chemicals in clothes? when you put them in your body. Um, The biggest obvious difference is going to be shelf life, at least with many food products, not all, but many food products, there's going to be a really short shelf life. And I'm going to argue today that we need to have the shelf life of our clothes be as long as possible. I have worn clothes in my life that were worn by my great grandmother. That is a, not, not on a daily basis. And if I was cooler when I was younger, then I would have kept them and kind of repurposed them. But our clothes can and should last a really, really long time. Yes, they should not be disposable. Um, okay, so let's get into that in just a second. So I've been reading the book Let My People Go Surfing by Patagonia founder Yvonne Trinard. Um, he is particularly and understandably, drumroll for the pun, spun up about organic <laughs> cotton. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so in the book, he shares that Cotton fields use 22.5% of chemical insecticides and 10% of all pesticides used in agriculture. Yeah. And that this one is even almost worse than that. Only one-tenth of 1% of those chemicals actually reach the pests that they target. So I'm not sure um, that most folks think about cotton in the same way they think about apples or kale when they're thinking about pesticide use in agriculture. But to, to the point that you just made, the fact is cotton is an agricultural product. And we should positively be seeking out organic cotton in the same way we seek out organic produce. Um, so, Rebecca, can you share with our listeners, what does the term organic cotton mean? Yeah, it's, it's been really interesting that I've gotten some pushbacks. We are like, oh, isn't organic cotton really taking it too far? But when you look at the chemicals that are being used that are hurting our planet, and there's a great book out there called Killer Clothes and a number of other books that talk about just the impact that the chemicals on our clothing are having on your body. I mean, we're seeing babies that are born that are being put in clothes that are conventional cotton, and they're having rashes and issues with their skin just with some of the chemicals that are in these conventional products. So with with conventional versus organic cotton, there's going to be really big differences in terms of the pesticide usage. There's also issues around water with cotton. So on on a related level, I mean, cotton is an incredibly thirsty crop. So one of the new frontiers that a lot of people are looking at is what's the use of water throughout the entire cotton life cycle. So what's rain fed versus what's going to be irrigated. And then how is water being used in terms of cotton being dyed? There's natural dyes, there's different types of chemical chemical dyes. Um, and, And just the entire life cycle of cotton, it can be very chemically 
intensive. Mm -hmm. And then we've even created, just to take it to the next level, we've created materials that aren't even agricultural products. We've created polyester. Polyester has actually surpassed cotton in this country in terms of its usage in clothing. And what, what sort of additives are used in polyester that we should be alarmed about from an environmental perspective? So I, I will preface this by saying that I am not an environmental chemist, but po- polyester is it's, it's all made from, synthetic. It's, yeah, it's made from oil. Sure. So, so it's a petroleum product. Yes. So we had this interesting thing happen really after World War II historically, where the whole idea of silk stockings became nylon stockings. Mm-hmm. And we used to have so many things made out of cotton, made out of silk. If you look 100 years ago, you saw people that were buying a fraction of the number of clothes that we're buying today. So one is just the reality that it's going to be, it's really hard to create clothes in a way that is gentle on the planet. You Mm -hmm. can do the absolute best that you can. So one is be thoughtful about how things are being created and then be thoughtful about the life cycle. And we used to do a much better job in terms of like say we've we've outsourced everything. So I'm originally from North Carolina, which had a cotton industry and it had a wool industry and it's coming back a little bit. But you used to see the impact of what of how your clothes were being made in your own community. So we have these this dramatic outsourcing. We have rivers in other parts of the world that are unnatural colors simply from the dye that's being used. Wow. We have the Aral Sea shrinking up simply because of the water that's being used for cotton. We have Synthetics, and I love the idea of environmental um, environmental innovation with synthetics, and we're moving there. But we have all kinds of things that we are used to in clothes. We have these quote-unquote easy care clothes, and, and I'm guilty of this as well, but we've gotten used to barely caring for our clothes. They don't stand the test of time, or eerily they do, like that three-year-old McDonald's cheeseburger mm-hmm. that apparently still looks like a cheeseburger. So we have clothes doing things that clothes shouldn't be able to do. I read recently that in order to keep clothes clothing resist, or I'm sorry, crease resistant, some manufacturers are adding formaldehyde to the cotton. Yeah, and and I and I've read that actually clothes have a level of formaldehyde in them that wouldn't be acceptable to the U.S. military. Yet it's conventionally acceptable in the marketplace. So there's there's been this statement going around that fashion is the second worst polluting industry mm-hmm. in the world, and it. I traced it a little while back to this article in EcoWatch and a statement made by Eileen Fisher there. And there's a great article in the New York Times recently by Vanessa Freeman, a columnist there, stating, well, it might not be, but we just don't know. And I think we just, we don't know how our clothes are being made and what the environmental impacts are. And that's really scary for our planet. Yeah, we're in a few moments, we'll get a little bit into the lifestyle emissions, life cycle emissions of clothing to help people understand why the footprint might, might be as large as it is. Um, but first, I want to just do a little bit more on cotton itself. So I know that your company, Maven Women, uses cotton that is global organic te- textile certified. Yes. And I was wondering, what does that mean and why is it important? So the global organic textile standard, or GOTS, is, is a pretty miraculous development. So I'm going to kind of do a little bit of a clothing manufacturing one-on-one. Please. Yeah. So the company that I started is a company called Maven Women. It's a DC-based company. It's a social enterprise. And at every single step in our process for making clothes, we try and honor people on the planet. We make the best decisions that we can as a small company that is going to create a certain type of product. So for example, I initially loved the idea of using natural dyes. We make a lot of black clothing. Natural dyes, at least right now, are not a possibility for us because they fade over time. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we try and live in that space where we honor the product 
and make the best choices possible. The global organic textile standard is amazing because what it's done is it has made a bunch of certified organic cotton and it also includes ILO labor standards. So it's going to be slavery-free cotton. And it's cotton that in the entire cycle from from actually growing in the ground to being spun into rolls of fiber, that entire cycle is going to be certified organic and look at labor issues. And you can get a certificate and we get the certificates of the cotton that's Mm -hmm. used in our products to show that it meets that certification. So it's really enhanced the availability. So Patagonia is an incredible company and they have created some of their own textiles, but that's a hard thing to do and it's a hard thing to scale. So I'm, I'm incredibly excited about the GOTS standard. It's really robust. I have friends who've visited GOTS places on the ground. And keep in mind too that the environmental issues are also linked in labor rights issues because you have people in the developing world that are working with this cotton and if they have all these chemicals, they're probably not going to get protective gear and you're starting to see some big issues um, with really poor populations. So this GOT standard, which again stands for Global Organic Textile Standard, it sounds like it's sort of the clothing equivalent of fair trade certified for produce. Yes, and there's companies like Patagonia who are actually working on a standard that brings in fair trade and organic in a more comprehensive way. There's so many standards out there, but one of the best ones, one of the ones that I talk about often, is the GOT standard because it's robust and it's accessible and it's affordable. So how would we know if the clothing that we're buying meets that standard? Is that something that would be on a label? Yes, and this is a really hard place. I love what GOTS did, even though it doesn't work out as well for my business as I would like. So you can only use the GOTS logo on your label if your entire process is GOTS certified, including your factory. Got it. So the first collection that we came up with out of India, I visited them. They're great. They're awesome. They're an artisan collection. And they are in the process of working on their treatment of wastewater. And they're working on it, but they're a small company themselves. Sure. So, so it's more of a tradition or a transitional moment. Yeah. So so we can't yet use GOTS because our factory isn't certified. It's in the process of being certified. So definitely look for that, but then also look for companies that are just talking about it. And we can't use the label, but we do talk about GOTS on our website and answer questions from customers all the time about GOTS. Awesome. So other than Maven Women Garments, of course, uh, which brands can you recommend to folks looking to transition their wardrobe toward less environmentally harmful textiles? So we do have a list of brands on the Maven Women website, which is www.mavenwomen.com. And I tried to include a diverse assortment of brands based on everyone's individual aesthetic, um, based on the price point. So I'm going to actually unpack your question for a second. And first, don't shop. (laughs) <laughs> and consider the source, right? I create clothes out of virgin materials. So, oh my goodness, you sound like Shreenard himself. <laughs> so don't shop. There's this thing called the hierarchy of needs. It's fantastic. Anyone who wants it, if you can't find it out there, just email me at Rebecca at mavenwoman.com and I'll send it to you. And it it goes through, like, use what you have. Let's say that you have this shirt and you're like, it fits me really well, but it's just kind of weird in the sleeve. Get a relationship with your local tailor and just go in and have that fabric taken out of the sleeve. And then you have a brand new shirt that fits you really well. I think there's an art of tailoring. There's an art of fit. 
and we've lost a lot of that. Mm -hmm. So buy pieces that stand the test of time to begin with. So go through your closet, organize your closet well. A lot of Americans actually don't have organized closets. So you have no idea what's in there. Yeah, you don't know what's in there and you don't know how to pair it together. Understand your body, understand your build. There's a great book out there called The Science of Sexy. It's a conventional book, but it goes through different body types and shares what works well and what doesn't because we have these smart marketing companies. Sure. They make you think everything's going to look good on you. Everything isn't, isn't going to be a match for every person. And that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. So I would say don't, don't shop. And then when you do shop, consider secondhand, consider thrift. Um, if you have really limited time, like I'm a parent and I'm running a company, my time's kind of limited, go to ThreadUp. They make it really easy for you in an online platform. Buy secondhand. You'd be shocked at the ability to buy brand new clothes via secondhand, which is crazy thing in our country mm -hmm. we've got some great thrift shops here in dc too so you heard it here first reduce reuse recycle when it comes to your garments Egg exactly all right everyone so we are talking with rebecca ballard of maven women about choosing wisely when it comes to your clothes we're going to take a short break and when we get back we'll dive into the environmental impacts of disposable fashion back in a sec hearing now is produced by morris for more of his work visit soundcloud.com backslash philly baby p-h-i-l-l-y-b-a-b-y coming right back this is full service radio welcome back this is Everyday Enviro on Full Service Radio, a show about the small things you can do to reduce your personal carbon footprint. I'm Danielle Vogel, owner of Glens Garden Market, and I'm joined today by Rebecca Ballard, founder of Maven Women, a clothing company dedicated to sustainably sourced and ethically made women's wear. We've been talking about the environmental implications of conventionally grown cotton, and now we'll dive into the debate surrounding disposable fashion. Rebecca, I read that the average American throws away 70 pounds of clothing every year, which is staggering. And these days, we hear and talk a lot about food waste. It's ultra clear why food waste is bad from an environmental perspective. It's energy intensive to grow, transport, and refrigerate. And then when it hits the landfill, it decomposes, creating emissions which accelerate climate change. But I'm not sure we're having that same conversation with equal social vigor when it comes to clothing waste. Rebecca, break it down for us. From an environmental perspective, why is clothing waste bad? Yeah, that, that's a great and really important question. So I think just imagine this visual, right? And I've thought about it. It's scary to imagine. But 
think about all the clothes that you've quote unquote given away in your lifetime. So the narrative that I believed when I was younger, and I really did truly believe this, was I'm going to give my clothes to Goodwill Mm -hmm. or some other secondhand place. And then there's going to be poor people in some other part of the world that are going to really want my used clothes. We have a bunch of countries that are like, stop sending us your used clothes, America. We don't want these clothes. We don't need these clothes. We have our own local economy that can produce clothes, and we like them better than your used clothes. Sure. So most of that clothing is not going to end up being worn by someone else. And so it's going to go to the landfill. And what's going to happen is it's going to pile and pile and pile and pile up. So you're going to end up having hundreds and thousands of pounds per person in this country of clothes in the landfill. So as we spoke about earlier, clothes are being made with chemicals. You know, accepting clothes that are 100% organic cotton, which is also really hard to do because we're used to spandex Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to have something that's marketable without any spandex in it. So clothes are going to have chemicals in them and whether it's the dye process or whether it's the fibers that are being used. And they're just going to sit there and they're going to release into the atmosphere mm-hmm. the same types of things that we are getting with the pesticides from food, the same types of things that we're getting when it comes to oil emissions. So you're better off hanging on to them than dropping them in that yellow box? Yeah, Please. yeah, exactly. Well, and it's been interesting. So I follow a number of ethical, sustainable fashion bloggers and they will say like they'll have they'll wear a shirt from Gap along with an interesting ethical company and they'll put an old shirt by Gap. And I think that we need to start having some bragging rights and saying how long we've kept on to a piece of clothing and how we've been able to wear it in different stages in our life because bodies change and fluctuate. Of course. But, but how can you have a piece that really speaks to you for a long period of time? So other than Maven Women, which brands do you think do the best job of creating items that really last? If you're guiding us and instructing us to hang on to our clothes, they've got to be made well. Where should we be looking for that? Exactly. And that's a really great question. So I mentioned earlier that we have a listing of websites on our website. Sorry, we have a listing of companies on our website. So in terms of things that last, there's a couple of components. One is I think you need to understand your body and your build in terms of what you are going to like to wear over time. Understand your coloring. Get colors that you're going to enjoy wearing over time. Chartreuse may or may not, depending <laughs> upon your personality, be the cover that you're going to color that you're going to wear over sure. time. And the media may or may not be telling you that a certain type of floral, if you like it 30 years from now, that's great. But If you just like it when you're a teenager, you might not also like it in your mid-20s. And it's hard to predict where you're going to go, which is why I do think a capsule wardrobe that has some really well-fitting neutrals for you based on what your own skin tone is and your own understanding of your body shape. Also buying clothes that have neat design features. I tell people to always go shopping on a full stomach. Mm Almost every woman I know has said to me, <laughs> this, like, this will fit if I didn't yeah, eat lunch right before ex- I tried it on. Exactly. <laughs> and then they feel bad about their body. And that's a huge problem for so many reasons is we need people to go shopping based on the bodies that they have, love the bodies that they have. Don't worry about what the number of the clothes is. Don't worry about the brand. Don't worry about whether something is in or out of season. So you notice so much of what I'm talking about. It isn't even about whether or not the clothes are made with certain chemicals or good stitching, but it's really the first step is buying the right type of design for you. I'll tell you a trick. You can also, when before you buy something, turn it inside out and look at the seams. Hmm. Look at the stitching. 
We're looking for quality. Look for quality. And quality is something that you should be able to tell. So literally just run your hand down the seams, see if there's threads sticking out, see if there's things that are undone. Give give something a little bit of a pull and see if you feel like things are secure. And that'll give you a sense about quality. Um, some of it too is people are just going to have to pay more for quality. Sure. So it used to be that people were buying a third to a quarter of the number of clothes that we're buying now per year, but they were spending three to four times more total. So when you build that out in today's dollars, it wouldn't be uncommon for a middle-class American to buy a $200 dress, but they weren't going to be buying that many $200 dresses and they were going to take really good care of them. So we should think about these as investments in both the environment and the future of our wardrobes. Absolutely. Excellent news. Yeah, I couldn't have phrased Um, it better. Okay, so other than buying clothing that's durable... And choosing items that were constructed using environmentally sustainable or at least minimally harmful materials. How else can we be environmentally conscientious when we're choosing our clothing? So looking for companies that actually are talking about making an impact there and that have that actually have something that run it by the same fact test that you would anything else. Mm-hmm. So does this look legit. Yeah. Is it it greenwashing or is it authentic? Exactly. And that's a hard thing to do with food and with clothes and with so many other things. But I'd say look for companies that you honestly feel like they're making hard choices and they're engaging in nuanced, difficult conversations. There is no perfect, easy answer here. You can look for companies that are using recycled materials and innovation. A lot of those products are going to be made um, in in some parts of Asia. Mm -hmm. And then some of that's going on in this country as well. But with artists and products, sometimes you're going to be looking more for things that are going to be organic to begin with. So Mm -hmm. there's this kind of interesting balance of finding what I call eco-innovation as well as artists and products. We actually meet both at Maven Women. So we create something in in India that's a real organic artist and product. And then we are working in LA with trying to utilize the latest technology. I'll give you an example that people don't often think about. But um, the factory that we're working in is a woman-owned factory with a mompreneur, which I love. And (laughs) they just bought a robot to help with their cutting. And they use technology around making sure that they lay out the fabric as well as possible and use the smallest amount of fabric to cut into the cutting pieces. So they're minimizing scrap. Yeah, minimizing scrap, exactly. Look for companies that actually talk about their scrap. So they're analyzing their whole life cycle. Mm -hmm. We are a zero waste company, not because we do zero waste designs, that doesn't work for our product category, but because we find great uses for our scrap. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So speaking uh, of that, Let's talk about transportation emissions for a second. As we think about life cycle, it's it's an integral part. So I'm so glad that we're talking about this because I think that's something that a lot of people miss. Definitely. So I did a little bit of quick math and I realized to my horror that it's about 54 times more energy intensive to ship goods by plane than it is to ship them by boat. So I know that at Maven Women, you've started to invest in offsets to hold packaging and shipping environmentally harmless. Can you tell us a little bit about that effort? Yeah, so I'll tell you what I've, what I've been able to do. So one is we try and have everything be as close as possible geographically. So that's a big step. So with our collection in India, everything is made within a 100 mile radius which is pretty darn good for India. It's, it's a big country and you yeah. see a lot of things going back and forth around India. With our collection in LA, everything is made within a three mile radius. Wow. So that's huge. And we literally just have a guy named Juan who has a truck who will take things from one step to the next. I know Juan, he's, he's lovely. So that's how we get things back and forth. So that's the first step is the average clothing piece, they say, will have 
different components from maybe 30 parts of the world when you actually break down all the little things that go into it. So we, we do the best that we can there. In terms of offsets, with UPS, we've been able to use offsets for our business operations. Mm-hmm. We were not able to get that done with DHL during our shipping from India. So we tried, but we weren't able to make that happen. And then um, with, with all of our operations, we, we try and do that. We also try and donate our dead stock or, or scraps locally whenever possible. So our scraps in India go to a nonprofit that promotes women's micro-entrepreneurship in the slums, which Very is cool. something that's really important to so us. So they may be using it to sew into larger garments, but they're using recycled components. They're actually making a lot of small handicrafts that are sold on the local market, cool. which Very I'm good. very excited about. A lot of companies won't do that because of the IP, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to be super worried about this. If you really want to steal our IP, you can buy a dress and just copy the print <laughs> that's on the inside. Um, so, so that's important. But I think carbon offsets are great. In terms of boats, it's really hard to do a boat in fashion because of the seasonality. Mm-hmm. So it's... I mean, we are now starting to think ahead. Spring, let's, summer. Let's, let's pause for a quick second because yes. you're in the industry, and I obviously have to ship products oh, as well. But so I, the reason why it's hard to ship by boat is because it takes three months to get uh, the the garment across the ocean, and then it's uh, sometimes it's quarantined, and oftentimes it has to get through customs. So that's what she means when she says it's it's difficult to keep up with the pace of fashion using shipping. Yeah, and that's where fast fashion is really bad. We used to have four to six seasons and now we're talking about these micro seasons that are one week a year so we at maven women don't do trends Mm -hmm. like we try and use really amazing detailing that you're going to love over time if something is on trend and it's great we'll use it but we're not going to use anything just because it's on trend love that and it it of course would be contrary to the advice that you're giving us yes (laughs) if we're we're buying to last we can't buy on trend exactly so if you if you're trying to hit a season to have something take three months when it could take just a week or Mm -hmm. two. It requires a lot of planning ahead and it's a hard process. So we haven't done any shipment via boat. I mean, keep in mind that I'm an entrepreneur as well. Mm -hmm. So speed is, speed is not the easiest thing to come by when you're starting out. So that's just not a a cost of time, but yet there is a lot that can be done via boat. And then there's a lot that can also be done locally. So we made the choice to move a lot of our production to the U.S., to move it to L.A. I looked into moving it to D.C. actually, but we just didn't have the factory infrastructure You listening, here. Mayor Bowser? You tuned in today? Yeah, I, I, I tried, and I have, I have a lot of thoughts on that <laughs> that we could chat about too if you want, but I was really happy to be able to get things integrated in L.A., and we're doing our shipping and fulfillment out of L.A., so it's not like it's all coming to D.C. and then back to mm-hmm. L.A. Good. Got it. Thank you. So, Lots and lots of people are buying their clothes online these days. And we've talked a little bit about transportation impacts, um, life cycle emissions. Do you have any advice for online consumers about how to get the clothes to their homes? I I don't know. I think that we need to get to a better place with this industry overall, with shipping and fulfillment. It touches food. It touches clothes. It touches homewares. Mm -hmm. To me, it's one of those things that I don't feel that I can tackle right now. I try Mm -hmm. and do the very best that I can with not shipping things back and forth. But as someone who tries to purchase ethical and sustainable clothes, I've tried to talk with a lot of DC boutiques about having Maven women in the boutiques. We are in a number of places. We're in 10,000 villages in Alexandria, for example. We're in some great boutiques in New York. But I am not able to buy of of clothes made out of virgin materials, of Mm -hmm. new clothes, I'm not able to buy the clothes made in the way that that I require locally. So I'm going to have to have them 
shipped here. There is a great boutique in Park Story that called Park Story and Fairfax that we're a part of as well. So I want to give a shout out to them, Megan Evans, who created them, is doing great work. So if you really want to buy local and purchase locally, Park Story is a good place to go. And they have more than just clothing; they have accessories and, and homewares and candles and things like that too. But I, I think it's it's a big issue, and I would give you the answer if I had it. Sure, but I don't have it. <laughs> it's okay. This is a work in progress. Um, okay. So the bottom line is we should be choosing clothes that will last and which are made from organic cotton or other sustainable materials. We should wear them for as long as possible rather than tossing them in the donation box with reckless abandon. And finally, skip next day shipping. You didn't have it yesterday. You don't need it tomorrow. Exactly. So Rebecca, any thoughts for us to consider as we work to constrain our individual carbon footprint through mindful consumption? Last tips, anything you forgot? Shop your community. So shop your own closet. But I'm, I'm part of a new group that popped up on Facebook called Zero Waste Families. And we're literally just trying to send around all the kid items that we all have that kids have, have outgrown. You have a formal event coming up and you don't have the formal dress. Do you have a friend who lives near you who's about the same size as you that you can borrow from? I mean, Rent the Runway has that model. But I think that we can do this in a hyper-local way. Have a clothing swap. Or have a, it could be more formalized or do it individually with friends. Just get together and share resources. I think the clothing industry is massive and it's global. And there's some great documentaries out there that you can watch, like River Blue, that do a good job of showing the scary environmental impact. But make it local and do not fret and shame yourself if your closet doesn't look ethical and sustainable at all right now you can be really proud of yourself for actually keeping a lot of the good garments in your closet and wearing them for the years to come and then when you do bring new garments in that's the place to start oh my goodness i love that advice uh all right so words from rebecca ballard crowdsource your closet um okay give us your website one more time it's www.mavenwomen.com, M-A-V-E-N-W-O-M-E-N. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. So please check out Maven Women. The garments are gorgeous. And for all the reasons we now know well, you can feel great about wearing them. This has been a fascinating discussion. It's amazing how easy it can be to make progress when you know what you're doing. So thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. And before we end our time together, let's take a moment to reflect on why climate change is a problem worth even attempting to address at the personal level. It's huge, it's complex, and at times it seems well beyond our control. But it's not. I'm going to hit up my boy Yvonne Trinard one more time today. This is your moment of motivation. The fashion industry is one of the most polluting industries in the world, right up there behind oil and gas. And the post-production care of a clothing item can quadruple its environmental impact, with laundry representing about 25% of its carbon footprint because of the energy required. The upshot? The most responsible way to buy clothes is to buy used clothing. And beyond that, avoid buying clothes you need to dry clean or iron. Wash in cold water, line dry when possible. Rebecca, this has been a true delight. Thanks for letting us into your world and teaching us all how to shop more responsibly. And thank you for listening to Everyday Enviro. Next week, we'll be talking with Andrew Stover, local sommelier extraordinaire, about how to drink responsibly from an environmental perspective. Talk then. Cheers.
Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at fullserviceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.